The languages and the places change And the sky has different stars I may be walking in the streets of a city called London But the dust on my boots and the rhythm of my feet And my heartbeat say Africa I may be walking in the streets of a city called Amsterdam But the dust on my boots and the rhythm of my feet And my heartbeat say Africa Say Africa, say Africa, say Africa. Say Welcome to Another Cup, presented by the Exchange Coffee Podcasting Network and brought to you by Cavoya Specialty Coffee, where we believe that coffee is always a collaborative voyage. Another Cup is a podcast devoted exclusively to our collaborative relationships, conversations with our team members and partners from suppliers to customers and all the journeys in between. Visit and explore with us at CavoyaCoffee.com. That's C-O-V-O-Y-A Coffee.com. Your story, our specialty, Cavoya Specialty Coffee. In this episode of Another Cup, Cavoya's U.S. Managing Director, Rob Steven, chats with his European colleague and counterpart, Phil Schluter, Managing Director for Cavoya in the U.K. This is one of a series of episodes recorded at the 2023 Specialty Coffee Expo in Portland, right out on the show floor, along with 10,000 other people. Take it away, Rob. I'm here with Phil. Phil Schluter. Schluter is a uh, sort of a almost a, a royalty name in the specialty coffee world. I, when I was a, f- a young apprentice, the word Schluter was in my vocabulary. It was on sample cards in my early cupping rooms. Uh, so. Phil is one of those people that I had always known of, and so for he and I to to be peers and and working together is one of those things that uh, I have to pinch myself sometimes. So he's here with us in Portland at the Specialty Coffee Show uh, with his team, and we've been uh, had a couple of days of great meetings together, and then we've been talking to mutual suppliers and customers and 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 friends, and uh, thought it would be really important that we came to the podcast booth and hear from Phil because he has he could forget more about coffee than most of us will ever know and he's seen so much of coffee in this world and um, so I thought it would be great for us to hear from you so hope you're happy to be here and, and uh, very happy to be here I'll <laughs> say the pinching works both ways around <laughs> so. um, and I, I guess you know we talked a little bit about this morning about you know how what we might want to have a conversation about right you know and and i think um your your experience said in coffee could be one that one would be forgiven for thinking i i know most of what there is to know but i think one of the things that you and i are kindred spirits about is that it's school day every day in coffee you learn something quite right absolutely every day and so i'd be interested to hear some of the things that you have learned recently that people might even be surprised to know that is just new information for you. Yeah, I feel like a dinosaur, I have to say, these days in coffee. The industry moves so fast, and I'm always uh, inspired by the number of people coming into the industry or have been in the industry a few years who are just pushing the boundaries and trying new things and the way the industry is developing and then thinking, why didn't I think of that? seems so logical and so obvious. I've learned, uh, I guess, recently about water activity, which was something fairly new to me to discover that, you know, other people in the industry have written 50-page, 100-page documents on it some time ago. So I'm uh, catching up on that. I watched James Hoffman on the way over 
uh, to this show roasting in helium and nitrogen and looking at how that affects the roasting process. So that was news to me. Yep. Um, I'm still... You know, we get used to terms like carbonic maceration and things like that and actually understanding what's going on and so on. I sat with Siva from uh, our innovation group. Innovation group. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I, uh, I've met someone in Liverpool who has a machine that gas spectrometer. And so that can, it's basically a digital nose. Yep. But Siva was explaining the number of components in coffee. There's over a thousand, I think, in our innovation center. We can take a hundred of those, separate them out, and begin to analyze aromas in a new way. So I learned a lot about the chemistry of coffee. So uh, you have a, a deep history in African coffee. Uh, I do, yes. Yeah, and I think um, have a perspective that very few people in the coffee industry would have in that you've 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 lived on both sides of of uh that sort of origins to roaster tri sales divide right you know you've you're extremely experienced at origin you have a deep understanding of how it works you know a lot of people there i think your your relationships are again multi-generational and um and yet you're a trader you run a trading business you work with the coffee industry you're very uh, a deep part of of the connection that they have with the customers how, how do you navigate that and, and and what's your journey been with that um so yeah i feel very east african i have to say yep. i was actually born in the states in ithaca my father studied at cornell did agricultural economics and worked with smallholder farmers in kenya not doing coffee but doing other products um the schluter family set up a company in 1858 so originally one of the founding families of hamburg city one of them thought bismarck would go to war in the 1870s he did uh, left germany landed in liverpool which is where i live now and set up an office in liverpool and london and that's when the schluter business that I was involved in was founded in 1858. There's still one founded in 1820 called Schluten Mack in Hamburg City that's still going. Um, it was trading coffee from the early stages, Brazil, Costa Rica, all over the world. My grandfather with a German name living in London when the war broke out had the choice of going to sit in a concentration camp on the Isle of Man to make sure he didn't help the Germans with a German name or going to fight for the British Army abroad and he chose the latter and went and fought for the British Army in British Somaliland against the Italians. He ran a radio station doing counterintelligence. He had a weekend break, went to Nairobi, went to a dinner dance, met my grandmother who was born on a coffee estate, Kigwa Coffee Estate, in Nairobi in 1920. Her father uh, was living in Kenya and was a massive uh, car enthusiast and built the road from Nairobi to Mombasa and many of the roads across East Africa. And there's a monument to him in the middle of Nairobi. But he, he lived and owned this coffee estate, Kigwa. My grandmother met my grandfather at dinner dance. He fell in love immediately, proposed and said, can we get married tomorrow? She went to see her mother, who said, I can't organize a wedding in a day, but I can probably do it in a week. Spoke to his superior, got him a week off. They got married a week later, and the day after, she got in a truck, went back to British Somaliland, and lived in the desert with him. And my two aunts were both born in British Somaliland. So that's where the African history came in. They then did a lot of work in what is now Rwanda, Burundi, but uh, were one country at the time, uh, in DR Congo, Zaire formerly. Um, lived in Uganda, settled near the cathedral, Nabarembe Cathedral in Kampala. They went to get their coffee license from the government, were asked for a bribe, refused to pay it. So they took all their coffee equipment out to Uganda, moved to Nairobi uh, in Kenya. And a year later, Idi Amin came in and seized everybody's assets. So we were very fortunate to take ours out with us. And they then settled in Nairobi. Uh, and that's where I grew up. So I was wow. born in well, Cornell in Ithaca. 
um, and then moved to Nairobi when I was about six months old. And my formative years were there, even though I left, I was nine when I left, but I went back every year, um, till, well, pretty much till today. Um, and I've always felt very East African. So I grew up in a very privileged position, you do as a mm -hmm. expat living in Nairobi, but surrounded by poverty and always had a great passion to do something um, to alleviate the poverty I'd uh, seen around me when growing up. Mm -hmm. With a firm understanding that economically we're the first world, but in many other things, they are the first world and we are the third world. So I think the things that really matter in life, there's a great speech by uh, Robert Kennedy on GDP in the US. If you've never seen it, Google it, you'll find it on YouTube, but it really describes how GDP measures all these things that don't matter and really nothing that doesn't matter. Um, and it's a great way to see that, you know, the strength of relationships, the laughter you see when you go to Origin, you'll know it if you've been on coffee trips, the warmth of uh, the welcome you get, all those things are stronger in East Africa than they are uh, in Europe. And in many ways, the things that really make life worth living are better there. So in many ways, they're the first world. But I had a passion to economically do something. And I went to university, studied development, thinking I would probably go and build wells yeah. or something. I also have a strong faith. I thought I might be a, a pastor or missionary. Uh, ended up doing coffee for a couple of years, really, to see what a hard day's work was like. I went to a cushy university and grown up in a nice environment in Kenya uh, and very quickly realized that really those passions were better done through coffee mm -hmm. than they would ever be. And my coffee is such a great way to bring sustainable uh, development to communities. You look at somewhere like DR Congo, where Virunga Coffee is now one of the larger exporters. If it's valuable, it gets stolen. You see a lot, if you've seen Blood Diamonds, good film on how not to do commodity trading. It shows you a, how a lot of things get out of countries in Africa. If it's edible, it gets stolen by militia and eaten. And coffee falls in the nice gap between the two. It's a bit too heavy, really, to steal and take out that way, and you can't eat it. So it's a great way to get real cash into farmers' pockets. So I guess that's what's driven me all my life. That's why I got into coffee. Um, I quickly realized as a small family business that we were trading Robusta when I arrived, most of it. We didn't cup a lot of what we traded. We were trading pieces of paper and it was understanding the market, which did require some knowledge, but guessing differentials and selling strings. And I decided very quickly that was not going to be my life if I was going to do coffee. Um, I wanted to taste coffee, I wanted to add extra value to the farmers and teaching them to produce better coffee and finding the right markets for the coffee they produced. And so I moved the whole family business into specialty, uh, I guess in the late 90s, early 2000s. That must have been a transition. It was a big transition. I remember doing our first poster on Kenyan coffee, looking at the regions, and we published flavor profiles. And we got so much grief for describing coffee as having grapefruit flavors back then. And you look today and it's just a normal speak in specialty coffee. So. The same in, I guess, Ethiopia. We did a poster, looked at different regions. We were one of the first people to work with individual wet mills. Um, we did the first grade one coffee out of Ethiopia with BNT. So a fair bit of history in the region yeah. doing specialty, but it's amazing how quickly over people overtake you with new ideas and it's great. I mean, you just said two things that are sort of fundamental pillars of the industry, right? Buying, buying from washing stations, describing flavors and, you know, something you just did as a pivot in your business. And now it's the foundation on which a lot of what we're surrounded with right now is happening right yeah it's great to it's, see it's great to see it it's it, but it's i mean how does how does it feel to to see that all happening and know like your role in it i mean 
It's going to feel great. Great. As yeah. I say, you feel like a dinosaur sometimes. You walk around. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're never going to change the world or make a big difference on our own. So that's... I learned that lesson from Bridget Carrington, who was then at Dorman in Kenya. I went to the first Africa conference, or the second one. I had paid for the best booth in the place. So as you walked in the door, there was the Schluter booth. I turned up and looked at the booth, and there was somebody else's name on it. And Bridget, who was meant to be my fierce competition in my mind at the time, this was me as a young trader, stormed over, said, Phil, welcome. That's your booth. Took the sign of the, and walked around the corner and found an African exporter who had stolen my booth. Yeah. Took my name back, stuck it on my booth and gave him his back and said, this is Phil's booth, you can't steal it. And this was meant to be my arch rival. I thought, hang on a minute, this coffee industry is different. Yeah. And I learned from Bridget a very important lesson that day that actually... This is a business where there's space for all of us. We, we're here to make a difference, particularly for me in the lives of the coffee growing communities we work with. And we need all of us to work together to do that well. I love our new name, Kavoya, yeah. Collaborative Voyage. We work together with the, the roasters we work with, with the producers we work with, but also with the trade who are around us. We're not big enough to serve everybody. Right. And it, I, I learned an important lesson that day. I think the other lesson I mentioned earlier, um, which I think if you're listening to this and you're a salesperson or you see yourself as a trader or you have a sales role, we sat in a board meeting once. I have a wonderful colleague on the European side called Maxime. Uh, and we sat there saying, why don't we sell more coffee? And I had him on my board because he was very wise. And he looked at me and said, Phil, you don't sell more coffee because you make too many sales calls. And I said, what on earth do you mean by that? And he looked at me and said, Phil, the people you're selling coffee to, the roasters, generally know what coffee they need to buy. They have plans. They know they're going to do a single origin here or they're going to need this coffee there. The larger ones receive a fax at the time, which shows how old I am. <laughs> we had a telex machine when I started. Uh, they receive an email today from the factory saying we need to get 100 tons of uh, washed Arabica. They, need, they know what they need to buy. All you need to be is someone they're willing to make a phone call to to ask what coffees you have available. At that point, you need good coffee, you need a good price, you need to offer a good service, but you need to be in the conversation. Imagine if the only phone calls they ever get from you are, did you get my sample, did you get my sample, have you cupped it, have you cupped it, is my price good, is my price good? They probably don't need the coffee that day, and they dread your phone call, Phil. If you call them up and just get to know them, ask about their business, give them some interesting stories, useful information, and just be relaxed. They're humans, we're all humans in this business, it's a really important part of it and just be the person they like talking to, they'll call you up when they need coffee and see what you have available. It actually allows you to relax. Yeah. And being, uh, so if you're listening to this, you're in a sales role, you're in a trading role, try and learn it. It's a really important lesson. So relationships comes first. Just be nice. Be a, a nice person to talk to and you'll find people call you up and ask you what coffee you have to offer. Secret to your success, which is you've been following the playbooks. <laughs> Well, Phil, uh, we could talk for uh, many days. You have a, a flight to catch. I do. But um, let's do let's do this again. Let's do this in a, a longer format because I think you and I have a lot to talk about. We do. But thank you for your time and, and for, for being here, for being a, a, a great mentor, a great friend, a great partner. Uh, we are uh, fortunate to be to be peers and, and work together on just about everything and uh, so uh, looking forward to hearing this and um, and doing more of this soon thanks for being with us and I learn something from you every week Rob so great pleasure thank you same here I may be walking in the streets of a city called London a 
over the dust on my boots and the rhythm of my feet and my heartbeat say Africa I may be walking in the streets of a city called Amsterdam by the dust on my boots and the rhythm of my feet and my heartbeat You've been listening to Another Cup presented by the Exchange Coffee Podcasting Network and brought to you by Kavoya Specialty Coffee. Our theme music is Say Africa by Vusi Malasilla, found at the Free Music Archive and used under Creative Commons. Remember, you can always email us on your computer or other digital assistant, coffeetheexchange at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.